Hi, friends. I'm excited you're here today because I'm going to be talking about one of the most requested topics that women want to hear more about, the connection in friendships. I love getting the question, which Enneagram type of friend do you think is best for me? And I'll tell you what, the answer is going to surprise you. As a bonus, I'll have a special guest on my show today, my Enneagram type six bestie who has the incredible talent of being an expert copywriter and travel blogger. Trust me, you'll want to hear about this. She's also my ride or die friend who is always down to learn, grow, and make fun of ourselves. So if you're ready to talk all things friendship, community, and the Enneagram, let's get started. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Enneagram Girl podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Larkey. On this podcast, we explore all things Enneagram and relationships, from friendships to dating to marriage and parenting, and everything else in between. As a certified Enneagram life coach and marriage coach, I'll help you understand why and how your Enneagram type affects all the relationships in your life and how to improve them, including the one with yourself. For full show notes and resources of each episode, head to Enneagramgirl.com. Now let's get started. Welcome, my cute little pod friends. Today, we're diving into friendships and community and how these relationships are affected by your Enneagram type. Plus, you get to meet one of my favorite people, my Texas bestie, Kelly, who is an Enneagram 6. She owns Road Trip Locals, a travel business that she opened with her awesome husband, John, who is an Enneagram type 3. Kelly also happens to be my amazing project manager and copywriter, who I couldn't live without, and has helped me scale my business and led me closer to finding my voice in the coaching industry. And two other quick fun facts about Kelly. She was my first bride ever. As most of you know, I've been a professional wedding photographer for a long time. And Kelly and John were my first couple who booked me. So they forever hold a sweet spot in my heart. Plus, she is one of my longtime coaching clients. So you're going to hear directly from her what coaching is like with me and what she has gotten out of hiring an Enneagram life coach. Plus, she'll peel back the curtain on what it's like as an Enneagram 6 who is going through the vulnerabilities of being coached. Today, we'll explore how understanding our own values and our own needs in a friendship can help grow that relationship. And we'll talk about how using the Enneagram as a self-development tool will help you understand what those needs and those values are. Whether you are lifelong friends or college friends or work friends, maybe your chapter of life friends or best friends, we're going to explore how to deepen your connection and why that's important. Don't forget to read the show notes after this conversation and stay tuned because I have a special limited time offer for you on summer life coaching sessions. So let's get into it. Why are we talking about friendships today? I read this incredible book by Natalie Frank called Built to Belong. In it, she talks about connection, community, and the loneliness that is affecting all of us these days. We are created for connection, she says. In one of my favorite parts of the book, she said, solving loneliness in our lives isn't as simple as joining a community. To truly solve it, we need to first change the way we think about our own selves while truly believing we are capable and worthy of belonging. Loneliness 
isn't merely an isolation problem. It is also a worthiness problem. We must truly believe we are deserving of love and built for belonging before we are able to receive it. I loved reading that because it's so true and it's very much tied into understanding ourselves better, which the layers of the Enneagram will actually help you do. These days, there are too many people who are giving up on relationships more often because of the time, the effort, and the energy that relationships can sometimes require. But by giving up on them, we are giving up on all the personal growth and the wonderful benefits that come along with friendships. There's so much value in deeper, trusted relationships with a friend. Not only are they our safe place to talk about what's really going on in our hearts and minds, but they give us that opportunity to show up with empathy for someone else. Friends help remind us of what we're capable of, especially when we need a pep talk the most. They teach us new perspectives and how to listen better and how to respect differences of opinion, which gosh, we all could use that these days. Creating new memories and sharing laughter with a good friend impacts our physical health. It releases serotonin and has a positive effect on our bodies and our brains. Leaning on that support system of friendship affects our physical health because it can lower our stress level too. And who doesn't want that? Friendships help heal us. They increase our happiness because when you are engaging in activities and laughter and positivity, it creates connection. They impact your own mental health too, because there is such a strong and stable social bond in the friendship that it helps reduce the risk of depression or anxiety. Friends genuinely celebrate all the milestones in our life and are our biggest cheerleaders. Who doesn't want that? The companionship alone is one of the greatest values in especially a long lasting friendship. But there's a mindset shift that's happening out there where people are kind of losing their desire to invest time and energy into building a deeper friendship. So I want to help wake you all up to that today because I don't want you to miss out on all these wonderful aspects of friendship. I read another book by author Shasta Nelson that's called Frentimacy, How to Deepen Friendships for Lifelong Health and Happiness. She describes frentimacy as a mix of friends and intimacy. As a two-wing three with a subtype one-to-one, I can't imagine a dreamier word for what I want from my own friendships. And I'm guessing a lot of other subtype one-to-ones would probably agree with that. P.S. If you have not explored subtypes, go back a couple episodes and I have a really great subtypes episode for you waiting there. Shasta Nelson surveyed people and she found, and I quote, a gap between the kind of relationships people want to have and the kind of relationships they actually have. I'm sure a lot of you are resonating with that right now. In fact, 80% of the complaints about friendship centered around wanting a deeper connection. She found that people know more people than ever before, thanks social media, and are supposedly more connected, yet are lonelier than ever. So the important thing is to realize that just because our friends or our following numbers are going up, the world is more connected socially, it doesn't mean that real true friendships are growing and deepening. The answer to this loneliness that Natalie Frank and Shasta Nelson talk about isn't just to collect more people, which is seemingly more easy to do these days. It's to make sure that we are investing in those people we already have in our lives. 
the loneliness that is creeping into our lives can be fixed by making different choices. We are creating that loneliness. I know that's hard to hear, but you know, talking awareness and accountability is what I like to do here on the Enneagram Girl podcast. That's the game changer. So it's important because awareness and acknowledging how you're affecting your own level of happiness is important. And we're missing that these days because it's easy to believe everything is just happening to us. So let's talk about that about how to invest in friendships that we do have by understanding each other's Enneagram type better. You might want to grab your pen and paper because I'm about to go through each type and describe how those friends of each type would like to be seen and understood. So here we go. For your type one best friends, your type one friends love words of affirmation and acts of service. They're hardworking. They give a lot of effort to their people. So make sure you are being the first one to reach out to them on occasion too. Help your type one friends have fun and be spontaneous when you can tell they've been working a lot and there probably hasn't been a lot of time for rest or fun in a little while. Make sure to follow through on things that you tell a type one you're going to do with them or that you're going to do for them. They have a lot of integrity, so be respectful and show up on time. Give them grace when they need it, especially because our type one friends can be super hard on themselves. Okay, for all of you out there loving on a type two friend, you want to be generous with your quality time. That's the fastest way to a two's heart. Acknowledge the efforts that they make in the friendship. They love sharing, giving, and assisting, especially when it's valued by you. If you prefer a two not to help, not to serve, not to give advice, generally just let them know so they don't waste their time doing so. Twos can feel super guilty about taking up space in a friendship. So remind them you want to know what their needs are and you want to hear what's on their heart too. Offer your expertise if they need help with something because they can feel super uncomfortable asking for it. It is so helpful to remind twos to nurture themselves too, especially during busy seasons of life. Invite them on a walk to get outside and move their body while they're talking, or bring them a good nutritious meal when you know that their calendar is super packed. Now let's talk about our threes. Threes are our inspiring friends who are usually pretty busy achieving goals and making it happen. Being a great friend to a three can look like reminding them they are valued for who they are and not just all those awesome things they're doing. These friends are going to be enthusiastic and want to know what your goals are too and be part of helping you reach your goals. Because they are future-oriented and they don't like to ruminate on past failures, make sure you incorporate those words of affirmation. Always keep the conversation moving forward towards positive and share your perspectives because your threes really love communication. They are excellent in friendships and love to be in spaces with people who are working towards things. A great friend will help a three have fun too, and not just be all work and no play. Helping your three achieve that balance is such a gift to them. Speaking of gifts, your threes love a little surprise gift here and there. (laughs) Okay, so for those of you who have dear friends who are fours, which my daughter is a four, you are blessed with knowing a deep soul who really enjoys authentic conversations and can hold space for you like no other. Really be present in your time with them. Validate their experiences and the depth of their emotions. Creativity and imagination are two gifts among many that your fours tend to be blessed with. 
When spending time with them, tap into this area when you're making plans, like visiting a botanical garden or going to a concert, a girl's night out, painting activity, or something along that line. When buying them a gift, you want to take your time and think about who they are. Don't just grab something quick off the shelf. Know that they need some downtime too. So offer to spend chill time, quality time, one-on-one -on -one with them just being present and going with whatever mood they have for the evening. On to our besties who are fives. If you're close friends with a five, know that you are very special in their life. It isn't personal if they aren't the first one to reach out or they might need more time in between hanging out. Fives are private and they value their alone time, but they deeply treasure their connections to their best friends too. They don't appreciate small talk so much. So value that quality over quantity when you're spending time with them. Even though they might not need as much time together, that doesn't mean your friendship with a five isn't so solid and so steady. I can speak on this because I've been besties with a five for a good couple decades. <laughs> Let your five know you appreciate the wisdom that they share with you and encourage them to play and laugh and get silly so that they can get out of their head sometimes and enjoy the special moments that are happening. Now on for our awesome six friendships. I want you to really listen when a six talks, be patient, assure them that they are safe with you and that they can trust you. Be authentic and straightforward with your six. Intentional quality time is a great love language for a six. That intentional part is super important. They also love positive affirmations, especially when it's genuine. A six loves hearing everything is going to be okay when it comes from a heartfelt, authentic place but they do not need you to slap a Band-Aid on how they are feeling or throw out a casual, it's all good, don't worry about it. Sometimes a six just needs to acknowledge the intense feelings they might be having or the worries that they're experiencing, even when they themselves understand it might not be logical. Don't try to dismiss or override your six friends, but instead give them space to share without judgment. I want you to hold energy on their behalf that everything's gonna be okay. By the way, sixes enjoy a great sense of humor. They are playful. They love to laugh and be silly and they even sometimes make fun of themselves. They want to have a good time. So remember to plan carefree, childlike adventures with your six friends too. Here's what you want to know about your friendships with sevens. Make fun plans when you're spending time together, especially something new and exciting is really thrilling for them. Sevens bring a lot of joyful energy into a friendship. They are very social. They want to be active more so than chilling out, but they also really love and value their alone time. That's when they're recharging. If your seven is going through a hard season in their life, don't push or prod them too much. If you're going through a hard season and you want to share that with your seven, make sure that you are circling back around to the silver lining. Sevens don't enjoy being in what they consider their negative emotions like pain or grief or frustration. So let them know you are available to maybe go for a walk and help lighten up the process through anything and let them lead the timing on when the conversation needs to lighten up. Sevens enjoy life and they are great at reminding us to do the same. Ready to lean into those friendships with eights? Eights are confident. They are high energy. They are outspoken friends who love independence and they're passionate. Eights do enjoy debate and are comfortable with conflict. So allow them that space to share their opinions, but don't take it personally. Share your values with them too, or you can debate back if that feels good for you. Trust and straightforwardness are extremely important in this type of a friendship. 
As a close friend to an eight, you'll have the opportunity to help them let down their guard and express some of the deeper vulnerabilities and the big heart that is under there. Eights love when you bring active fun into your friendship. Okay, time to round it out with our nines. And boy, do I love nines because I'm married to one. Okay, these are our easygoing, go with the flow friends. They enjoy quality time that's spent with lighthearted conversation and ease. Keep the more divisive talks to a minimum, like politics and things like that. When nines share their thoughts and opinions with you, I really want you to listen and be patient with them. Let them know you appreciate their input and that you value your connection with them. Nines have such great friendship value as they respect all different perspectives that are out there and they can help us learn how to open our hearts and minds a little more too. Nines struggle with decision-making, so give them detailed options instead of general questions like, what do you want to do today? Instead, you're going to say, do you want to go for a walk or would you like to go out for coffee? Cherish your nines as they bring harmony and gentle energy into your community space. Okay, so those are just a few good starting points for each Enneagram type friend you may have. You'll want to read more and understand the types to even go deeper than that. Remember, you really want to become more aware of what makes them unique and pay attention to the things that matter most to them. Some of these things might not apply exactly in your friendship. So there's a little nuance to this too. Now let's take a step back and check in with how you're feeling right now. I want to ask you about your own close friends that are in your life. So we're going to take a moment, close your eyes unless you're driving <laughs> and see who's coming to mind as I ask you a few questions. First, who is that friend that you trust to talk to about the deep private stuff that's going on in your life? Who is that friend who always has a positive spirit and fills your soul with encouragement every time you talk to them? They're your biggest cheerleader. Which friend is the most fun and always gets silly, always makes you laugh, down to say yes to just about anything? Which friend do you turn to for advice and counseling when you're making a big life decision? Who would you want to go see a movie with or hang out and binge a TV show in your PJs all day with? Who do you enjoy working out with or going for a walk with? Okay, I hope that brought a smile to your face, thinking of all the wonderful people in your life that you get to enjoy life with, essentially. These are all parts and pieces of life, and that's where that friendship value is coming in. And of those people, who are the ones that you really can count on to show up and follow through on some of these wonderful activities that you're going to do together? I ask you that last question because we always have to factor that in too. It's not just our Enneagram type that will give us that answer. It's the character of who our friends are, along with age and the choices they make with their time and other factors like that. This mini quiz is a great way to know which friendships you want to maybe spend more time in and invest more in. Plus, this tells you if you might want to cultivate some new friendships because maybe there wasn't someone's name who came to mind that is filling that particular role in your life right now. And you don't have to be missing out on some of those awesome experiences. So you might want to put some effort towards building a new friendship for those particular roles. By the way, 
If you're in the market for a new friend who lives in the Scottsdale area, reach out to me. <laughs> I love going for walks and talks, hanging out with snacks, benching a TV show, and everything in between. I'm extroverted. I have a great sense of humor, my friends would say, and I cherish all my friendships. Okay, fine, fine. I'm going to stop using this podcast as my own personal friendship bumble dating service. But seriously... If any of you who live in the Scottsdale or East Valley area of Arizona between the ages of 30 and 55, hit me up. <laughs> okay. Just remember, no matter which type you are friends with, they are worth that investment. And I hope you're friends with as many different types as possible so you can get the full benefits that all these wonderful relationships have to offer. I love the quote, all people end up somewhere in life, but few end up there on purpose. Well, guess what? This is also true in our friendships, community, and the relationship satisfaction that we have in our life. It's on us to care enough to do something about it and end up there on purpose. We are so comfortable finding connections through social media that we often forget human interaction has such great value. It's not an either or. It's a both intentional interactions plus the social media check-ins. Now, I'm not saying you have to see each other every week or even once a month to be great friends. Maybe that's challenging, especially if you have kids, a job, other commitments, but being on a FaceTime where you can actually see someone's face and their expressions, feel their energy, see their joy, feel their pain, you can hear their voice and feel their laughter. Well, guess what? It connects us to each other's heart space and one another's energy. And guess what? That's priceless. I want to clarify, I am not hating on social media at all because I met my guest Kelly on social media, who, by the way, it's time to introduce. So <laughs> let's welcome this awesome human who I couldn't possibly love more than I do. Kelly, will you come on in and join us now? <laughs> Hi, I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Alicia. Yes. And thank you for being patient as I was sharing with the listeners, all of these wonderful little tips they can bring into their friendships. Um, I want to start with sharing with the listeners a little more about your life and the work you do. You have the most interesting travel lifestyle of anyone I know. So I can't wait to share that with them. It's incredible. It's unique. And it is the coolest way that you guys are doing marriage. So can you give us a little background on what you do for a living currently and share about the incredible travel life that the two of you has built? Yeah, of course. And thank you. Um, so for work, I'm a copywriter and my husband and I realized back in 2019 that we could technically work from anywhere um, because we both work from home. So we decided to create this unique combination of travel life on the road and time spent sharing on our favorite basketball team. <laughs> okay. And wait until you guys hear this story. Okay. Kel, you have to tell them the whole story. <laughs> so my husband has always been one of the biggest Dallas Mavericks fans that I imagine must exist on the planet. Fun fact, we actually met the weekend the Mavericks won their first and at present only NBA championship. Uh, anyway, because of this love for the Mavs, we chose Dallas to make our home base when we're not traveling. We bought a condo downtown by the arena and split our lives into essentially two seasons. The Mavericks basketball season, where we go to literally every single home game. And then our travel season, where we are on the road for the rest of the year. So during our travel season, we basically take month-long road trips and explore both places that have always been on our bucket lists and places that are new to us that end up really surprising us in some of the best ways. 
So for 2021, for example, we took a three and a half month road trip through Colorado and Utah. And then last year we took a five month road trip through Canada and New England. And then after traveling for really the past three years, um, and then with my background as a copywriter, we decided to start sharing our road trips and everything that we've learned about working from the road through a travel blog. So that's where the road trip locals comes in. And it's been a lot of fun. I love that. And by the way, your New England trip and the photos made me move that trip near the top of Matt and I's bucket list. So I can't wait, wait to experience that someday. And I just want to say to the listeners, you guys have to go follow Kelly on Instagram on at road trip locals. What an incredible lifestyle to be able to create for yourselves. I'm sure with you being a six and him being a three, that plays well into all the planning and the preparation that would be required to make this such a successful experience. And I love how you both are following your passions and building a life of freedom and entrepreneurship that's just blending so well into the goals that both of you set for yourselves and for your marriage. Okay, so before we move on to talk about friendships and the Enneagram, can you tell my listeners where they can learn more about road trip locals? I'm sure they would love to follow along too and get some tips for planning their upcoming vacation. So where would they find like your travel blog or your Instagram handle? Absolutely. Thank you. You can find us and tons of road trip ideas, which we add more every single week at www.roadtriplocals.com. You can also find us on Instagram during our travel seasons at Road Trip Locals. Okay. Yay. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Those are going to be in the show notes as well for all of you who want to go click on that at the end. Okay. So now let's dive into some talk about the Enneagram, specifically your type plus friendships and what being a six is like. When I first told you about the Enneagram, what did you honestly think of it? I I truly, I thought it was a fun Instagram meme kind of thing, like Uh a personality (laughs) test. It wasn't until you started connecting the dots for me that I could understand the depth that the Enneagram actually had. There have been many a times where it feels like you are hearing my inner thoughts, but then you're actually able to explain them to me, which is incredibly helpful. So that was something that really made me pay attention and understand this isn't just some fad thing. This is a tool for growth and um, even internal validation or contentment. Mm. Plus, when you started teaching me how to actually use the Enneagram, so we took this information, then you helped me apply it. You would help me connect the dots around why something in my everyday life is causing friction or why my husband and I might look at a situation so differently. And you could relate that back to our Enneagram types. And at that point, I was really able to see the fullness and the opportunities of the Enneagram and what it can do for people, for our relationships, our friendships, all of these different areas of our lives. Oh, wow. That, that I love how you put all that just now. That's my favorite part of being an Enneagram life coach is seeing people's aha moments watching them, watching you get that first like initial awareness of this and it being able to translate specifically into your life and your personal circumstances. I love blowing their minds when I share about where our perceptions are coming from or why we have that limitation or what our real motivation is here, especially when you think it's something else or why do we fear that? What is influencing us? Why do I have that behavior that drives my own self crazy, much less the people around me (laughs) or even the reactions? Why do I react that way when I don't want to react that way? 
and why all of those things formed the way they did. It just lights my soul up to talk about this. Plus, being a helper is my jam, as you know, since I'm an Enneagram too. So my next question for you is, how did you feel when you realized you were a type six, which is sometimes known as the loyalist or the guardian? Uh, Mostly just annoyed. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I wasn't surprised that I was a six because sixes are generally, quote, the anxious ones. And sure, that, that definitely rang true. And there are other words that are generally associated with the type six with, you know, responsible, loyal, team oriented, devoted, but I wasn't valuing those labels at the time when I first learned these traits, these traits of a type six, I definitely put more weight on the value of all the other traits (laughs) that all the other numbers had. So I was mostly just annoyed at first to learn that I was a type six and I kind of wanted to be pretty much any other number. Mm, that's so interesting because I love so many things about your sixness, but just hearing that you wanted to be any other number and that you were associating good stuff with the other numbers and struggling to find your own good stuff about your number. I think that's really relatable. I think a lot of types feel that way when they're first learning. So thank you for sharing that because I think other people are probably going, me too, me too, Cal. (laughs) Okay. So can you tell me why you discounted those positive traits that were attached to your type and kind of how it made you feel? Mm -hmm. I, I think it was because those positive traits, like being responsible, loyal, team-oriented, devoted, they they just felt like part of the problem for me. Mm. Like they were part of why I was experiencing such persistent anxiety, overthinking, indecisiveness. Being, quote, responsible meant I had to get things right or do things right, or I just generally held myself to high standards. Being loyal sounded similar to me to being stubborn or, you know, quote, devoted. And perhaps sticking with something even when it wasn't working or being less quick to adapt for something to work better. And then even being team oriented, it felt like it was the opposite or in contradiction to having leadership qualities or a willingness to stand out, to take charge, to be visible things. And those were things that I thought were needed for business goals of mine at the time. So all in all, these traits just felt like they contributed to what I perceived as my challenges and therefore felt it would only be harder to experience change in those areas. So these quote positive traits didn't feel positive or helpful to me. Mostly I just wanted what came naturally for these other numbers. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. And I asked because it's helpful to see what we might be feeling underneath the surface, especially when we first learn our types. I think you know, we don't get to usually hear that conversation. We will hear our types or, or read the title of our type. And then we're like, oh, that's cool. Or, oh, I don't like that or something. And then we don't get to really hear how is it making you feel and, and why are you feeling that way? And I just think you did such a great job explaining that to us. So thank you for sharing that. And I also want you to know, like I said, that can be really common. I bet a lot of listeners out there are really resonating with this. And maybe they also felt irritation about their type too, or felt like other numbers had it better. I think that's a common feeling that we all have, right? Grass is always greener, but we learned that's actually not true. When we first learn more about ourselves, especially our subconscious thoughts, like how am I filtering these relationships and why am I filtering it like that? It's, it's hard to hear some of these traits that we might associate with being a negative trait. It makes us feel like we're exposed. And because the majority of us can be our own toughest critic, 
it's, it makes sense that a handful of traits we might not love about ourselves overshadow all the wonderful qualities that our family and our friends and our community actually love about us. Plus, as I shared in your first Enneagram session that we had, the main purpose of my coaching is to help you become aware of these parts of ourselves. No matter whether we consider them good or bad, it's not to judge them. It's not to fix them right then or there that fixing them is the target goal. That's not what it's about. It's actually about becoming aware of where these things are showing up in your life, when these things are showing up in your life, why these things are showing up in your life, especially in the early stage of your Enneagram journey. And that's kind of what I do in coaching. And I think you've been able to take that long process through coaching and be able to understand that, that it was never about, oh, here's this trait that you don't love about yourself. Let's fix it. It's not that it's literally just becoming aware of the how, why, when, and where does this particular trait that you might not enjoy show up so that then you can start seeing if you feel a little more in control of that situation. So now we are two years into your Enneagram journey, have those feelings towards the variety of traits you associated with being a type six improved for you. I'm very happy to report that they have, and I'm even more happy that I get to be your copywriter because I would like all sixes to know that I have made it my personal mission to rebrand ourselves. Okay. Rebrand yourselves. I love this. How so? Well, you you know, um, move over charming threes, move over confident eights, the warm and witty, engaging and endearing, smart and collaborative sixes are here to stay. Yes, queen, collaborative. Gosh, I love that one, Kel. And so spot on for our sixes. I'm so excited for you giving all of our sixes some extra love and some great descriptions for their type. So yes, and we are definitely adding those in to my typing guide and website and in all the places for this sixes. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, and to be fair, to be fair to you, you have been telling me these things about sixes. It has just taken me a while to really be able to hear and receive them. You know, I get that. I find that to be true with a lot of my clients of all types. You have to go through your own process and your own timing to take ownership of how valuable these qualities really are, especially to the people who are blessed to have you in their lives. Hey, there are even some traits of the type two that made me almost cry and want to run away when I first started learning about the Enneagram. It takes time when we first feel exposed by the Enneagram, for lack of a better phrase. So this leads into my next question for you, which is, what do you think has been the most positive thing about Enneagram coaching with me? Like how was being in Enneagram coaching over this like sustained period of time helped impact your life, your business, and even your marriage? Coaching has, uh, it's really helped me connect to the more positive qualities about myself. Whereas before the bigness of being quote, the anxious one felt all encompassing. I've been able to connect more to these positive qualities, but while also detaching more from some struggle areas. And not only is this a much more fun way to move about my day-to-day -day life, both for me and if we're being honest, the people around me, but it feels so much better. I'm getting my mental resources back to use in much more productive ways, especially in business, for example. Oh, Kel, I love that. I love the way that you describe that coaching has affected you in more productive ways. I think a lot of people would love to have that in their lives. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm learning how to put my energy in the direction of the things that I want and I'm working towards versus spending the majority of my energy on worry or overthinking or what I can now see as a sixes protection or safety mechanisms. And having those resources and that mental energy back and therefore available to use in other ways impacts absolutely everything from enjoying our travels when we're on travel season to being productive at work to connecting more deeply and being able to be more present in my marriage. We, we talk a lot, I think, in the self-development world about how we can get in our own way how we can act in ways that you know don't best support what we want. Um, and that can be really frustrating, even if we you know, acknowledge it or recognize that that could be happening. But usually we can't pinpoint exactly where, why, or how that's happening. So we have fewer tools to redirect ourselves and experience change. That's something that I have found coaching to be really, really helpful with. I am so much more aware of when I'm doing or saying something, or if I'm in a thought spiral or a mood or a set of behaviors that doesn't ultimately serve what I want or who I want to be. And it's the awareness in those moments when I'm able to realize that I'm overreacting. Although let's just not, not tell John that I said that (laughs) Uh, we're overthinking or feeling particularly defensive or those moments when I can't stop thinking about something or questioning it. It's the awareness in that moment that makes all the difference. Yes, my favorite word, awareness. Okay, so I loved how you just put that. And I think it's really helpful because sometimes my listeners might not understand like, oh, how does the coaching work in this? You're just teaching me the Enneagram and it's like, no, we're connecting the dots of understanding yourself, which the Enneagram helps us do, right? With what's actually happening in our lives and kind of like what you said, who you want to be, how you want to be showing up in the world. It's connecting the dots of why that is or isn't happening. Uh, Do you remember the very first thing that I said to you in coaching that, that the most important lesson is just becoming aware, not fixing? 100%. And I, and I didn't understand it at the time. Um, I heard it and you told me, you know, Hey, awareness is going to be the key to change. And I'm like, okay, guy, that's fine. Like, (laughs) that's cool. (laughs) Um, And you told me, you know, Hey, you don't have to focus on fixing myself, which was really good to hear because when we do get in the self-development world, we can get very focused on all these things I must have to change and therefore fix. And we can get very quickly in a spiral of just constantly feeling like we need to fix ourselves. And that's, that's draining in and of itself. So it was very freeing when you first told me, Hey, awareness is going to be the key to change. You don't have to focus on fixing yourself. And even though I didn't understand it, I heard it. And then each coaching session we could have after that, like it's starting to click into place a little bit more and more this, this truth that awareness is what organically inspires different actions that lead to better outcomes. That's why you don't have to focus on fixing yourself because the awareness can organically do it for you. Not again, that it's not about fixing, but just there are certain things where we want to show up different or be able to more organically take better or different actions. So we have better outcomes and realizing or now being two years in and getting to, to much like to understand much better that becoming aware of those moments when I am overreacting, overthinking, defensive, um, or just in a moment of unproductive anxiety or worry, 
being able to understand why that's happening as it relates to my core motivation and desire as a six for safety, it creates an actual ripple effect. Wow. It creates space in, in those moments themselves that can lead to different actions or mindset shifts. Sometimes it gives me the permission to take a breath and just separate myself from a situation to remove the charge from it and be able to pour some grace into it instead. And either way, that space, that awareness, it has positively affected so many other things in my life besides just those heightened or triggering moments, which in and of itself is incredibly valuable to take the charge out of some of those really heightened and triggering moments. I know others listening that are sixes, I mean, they have to feel that same way of those moments can sometimes feel so charged. So just to be able to remove some of that in and of itself is incredibly valuable. But then it, it, like I said, that ripple effect just spirals outward. I can react differently to situations. I feel differently about situations. I have better tools for challenging situations. And over time, little by little, because I, I know that that has been true for me, this is a baby step, one building block at a time. But over time, it really does add up to not only more enjoyment of life, but also being able to be more productive at work and be more present in my marriage and have more capacity for the positive things that I want to experience, like connection and confidence and contentment, fun, travel, um, and peace. So coaching has really helped me wake up to all aspects of how I'm moving through the world and my relationships and how things can be different. And dare I say, because you know how challenging this is for a six, it can be better and more enjoyable than I once thought. And of course, this is just how coaching has affected my relationship with myself and how I show up in my closest relationships, let alone the potential that it has to impact relationships beyond those in a way I never realized it could. Wow, Kelly, I just, the way you just put everything, First of all, just thank you, because I think a, it's going to be a gift to our sixes out there who are going to feel so seen by just your words alone. I think it's going to really resonate and connect with them. Maybe even some fives out there. Um, and just for all types, again, you, you just pointed out so well, all the dots and how they connect and how understanding this one part of ourselves can then impact, like you said, being more productive at work, showing up more intentionally in your marriage and just all the ways that starting to become aware just opens up our world. It opens it bigger. And so thank you just for sharing that and giving them something to resonate with. I'm, I'm grateful that you're sharing that with all of us because I also know how vulnerable this is for you as a six. So again, I just am super duper grateful. Um, what other areas as a six are you hoping to continue to grow in as we continue on our coaching journey together? I am hoping to grow in my capacity to feel good and receive that I deserve to feel good. And I am worthy of getting to enjoy life um, more tangibly. I think one of the next areas that would be really fun to grow in and part of that, you know, enjoying life sentiment is friendship. It's both building new friendships and deepening into existing friendships that deserve to have a little more quality time spent on them. Moving around so much and actively traveling for four to six months a year, it's really easy 
for me to make excuses for not meeting people, not cultivating friendships. So that's something that is important to me after this upcoming trip is to dedicate more intentional time to friendship. This podcast is definitely inspiring me to become a more active friend. I love listening to everything that you said um, at the beginning of this episode about just the richness of friendships and what they can bring uh, and add to our lives. I know that friendships are an important part of life. I know that they're great for marriage. They're great for balance at work. And, you know, they're just fun. And I don't want to miss out on that. Oh, you know that that makes my heart so happy to hear, especially I just loved how you were talking about not making, you know, not continuing to make excuses for meeting people and stuff, because we can all get super busy. I think that's so relatable to anybody else listening and that you want to dedicate more intentional time because you don't want to miss out on all this joy. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And bonus, this is one of the reasons that I am so excited. You've asked me to join you for this episode because you know, I absolutely plan on flipping the script now and interviewing you. <laughs> I want to ask you all of the Enneagram and friendship questions. And I just, I need to know the answers. <laughs> okay. Well, I love it. And I am so down for this. So let's go. You know that friendships are my jam. So I ain't scared. Uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> Hit me with any questions you got. Okay. So let's, let's start here because you tell me this all the time that friendships are one of the best things about life. They're fun. They're supportive for marriage. Um, again, you gave us so many reasons in this episode alone, like how just good friendships are for our souls. But I still can find myself fearing that process of putting myself out there and meeting new people. So my very first question to start with is, why do you think that we wall ourselves off, hold back, or or put off activities like we were just talking about, make those excuses to not meet people? Well, okay, that is such a great question. Um, so I love, love, love it. And I'm enjoying you being the interviewer. <laughs> we might have to add you on as my permanent co-host. So there you go. So let's start with why do we wall ourselves off or hold back? And how can we change that? Okay, so obviously I love this question. The first part of this is so easy to answer. We all have times where we hold back our wall off because of that big, scary word, vulnerability. Just the definition of vulnerability is honestly a little scary. Vulnerability means the state of being exposed to the possibility of being harmed or attacked. <laughs> Jeez, right? It's vulnerable to say hello to someone knowing there's possibility of rejection. And oh my goodness, rejection is one of the biggest fears of twos. No type wants to actually be rejected and each type reacts differently to rejection. So that's kind of what's at stake when we really put ourselves out there and try to deeply connect with somebody, especially somebody new. Plus at this point in our life, we all have had a friendship that hurt us or broke our trust or straight up wrecked us for a hot minute. It's painful and it's draining when we're going through that. And it might even create little triggers inside of us that make us want to hold back the next time a new friendship begins. Or we might worry we can't live up to a friend's expectations. So why even bother? Well, these are possibilities that scare us off from putting in the action to build friendships. So we have to work on learning to move forward past those previous bad experiences because living in the past doesn't help anything. And we have to learn that knowing we deserve to feel the awesome things that all levels of friendship provides, whether it's a new friendship or whether it's a long lasting friendship. So from today forward, your homework for all of you guys 
is no more living in the past. We're going to take a deep breath. We're going to let it go. We're going to be open and we're not going to be scared of that big, scary word vulnerability because why? Okay. Why do we want to do this? Well, we want to receive the goodness. That is the blessing of a new friendship and especially the blessing of deepening our older, long lasting, endearing friendships. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just a, a, a section to listen to on repeat because there is a calm that comes over like a deep breath that I can feel we take as you share that of just reminding us why it's normal to feel some of these things and also how we can recognize that, but still move forward. So what, what are some of the ways that you would recommend we put ourselves out there to meet new people? And I ask particularly as adults, because that can feel challenging, but at the same time, what are some of the ways that we can also deepen into the connection and friendships we already have? Well, first of all, I'm looking for that answer too on how to meet new people. So let me know when you find it. No, but seriously, I've even tried that Bumble Friends app with minimal luck. Meeting new friends isn't, it's just not easy like it was back in the middle school cafeteria or walking around on a college campus. As adults, we have to join things to meet people like book clubs or go to work conferences or start conversations with the moms that are at your kids' sports games or your school events. Obviously, we can meet people online too. And I really do love my online friends. But as a two, I need quality in-person time. And that can even mean via FaceTimes or Zooms or Marcos, but just where I can see your face and see you smiling or laughing or when something's going on hard so I can connect with that and be like, hey, what's going on? As far as how to deepen our existing friendships, it's about getting to know your own needs and also their needs better. Kind of like what I was describing above when we went over each type's tips on how to be a better friend to each type, that's understanding their needs better. And it's about being more honest with each other. That's what I want everyone listening today to kind of take away from this episode. Have you ever stopped to think about what you actually need from the friendship in your life? What if you could be more intentional by knowing both you and your friend's expectations or even each other's limitations? Imagine how valuable that would be, how much easier it makes the friendship and how we both would get our needs met more often because of it. The purpose of this conversation on friendships is not to shame anyone. It's not to shame any particular type or person. It's not, you should be doing more or you should be doing less. We're not here to label any of our friends as good or bad. Rather, this is to help us start having more transparent conversations, especially with our dearest, closest friends about what our needs are and our friendship desires. It all starts there. You've got to understand yourself better. I know not everyone has the capacity right now to offer more time in their lives with their friends and that's okay. But are you communicating that to your friends who maybe do want to do more things with you? Those friends who want more are walking around feeling like they're the bad guy because they want more out of a friendship. But guess what? Those friends who also want less are walking around feeling like they're the bad guy because they want less. So this is why I'm so passionate to come here today and talk on this topic about learning the self-development tool called the Enneagram, because you'll understand what it is you need and why you need it. Once we understand ourselves and each other better, then we don't have to feel all that shame and we'll have better communication and transparency. Neither of you will be left wondering, am I too much? Am I too little? 
it's, it feels so good and safe in a friendship to know where you stand with each other and also what your friend needs. This is how we are going to take our friendships to a more friendimate friends and intimacy place where we start to experience freedom in the friendship, joy and peace because our friends know us and they see us and they love us in our fullness. And that is what this episode is all about. Oh, mic drop moment. That that was so well said, Alicia. It's interesting too, because when I learned you were too, so talking about getting to know both our own needs, which of course uh, we talked previously how coaching has really helped me done, helped me do, um, but then also getting to learn more about your friends and what they need by learning their types. That's been such an unexpected blessing of Enneagram coaching with you. When I learned that you were a two, it felt like I had a shortcut to what you needed from our friendship. And I had a much better understanding of how to show up for you as a friend. I learned how much you value quality time together. And I wanted you to know how much I value you and our friendship. I learned to make sure that I was asking you how you're doing and giving you the space to share because I wanted to hear it. It is very fulfilling to know that I'm able to show up for people I love in a much more intentional way now. I'm not saying that you need to become a master and learn everything that there is to know about the type of every person you care about. I have been on this journey for years now with you. So it's a long period of time, but it is so worth it to start. And it feels so, so good. This is, this is how I tend to think of it. It feels so, so good when you, Alicia, can see me as a six and you let me be me in fullness without any judgment. You validate me for who I am and remind me of all the beauty of who I am. And so it feels so good to be able to give that back to you and make you feel fully seen, accepted, and loved for who you are. So I love getting to show up in the way that matters most to you with quality FaceTimes, asking you heartfelt questions that I want to know the answer to, and by communicating openly how much I appreciate you and your heart. And that has been a beautiful blessing of learning the Enneagram. Um, okay, so let me finish using up all the Kleenex here. <laughs> um, Kelly, that that just made my two hearts smile so much and so big, especially when you said the part about how fulfilling it is to show up for the people you love in a way that means a lot to them. And I know that you do that so regularly with me. And I just, oh, I just want to hug you right now around these microphones. Um, okay. So basically my work here is done. Learn your type, know your friend's type, then show up. Okay. Bye. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But also, uh, we need you to walk us through that step-by-step. Step, okay. Okay. <laughs> So I guess one of the final questions that I would love to ask you is how can others, like how can we learn more about the Enneagram and about our friends' types? So to answer your question about how you and your friends can learn more about your type, well, it just so happens that I'm a certified Enneagram life coach. So that's obviously one way you can book a session with me and we'll dive into all these things that Kelly has been talking about and so much more because we've only scratched the surface it's not just some type and a trait and a title, trust me. Like I said, it's a, it's a lot about connecting the real dots that are really happening specifically in your own life. There is no box thinking here when it comes to the Enneagram. Plus in sessions, I give you some fun homework as Kelly knows to continue learning even after your session. Um, and I also have the 
the coolest guide that helps you walk through the process too. Uh, I have my free Enneagram typing guide on my website that will help you get started. Plus you can also go to my blog and read more there. I have a bunch of blogs on different uh, types and you can also see more even on the podcast blog where you can listen to other podcast episodes or you can go to my Instagram where I have tons of different graphics on each type. Plus to obviously check out today's show notes for the links that I've talked about today. Okay. Wow. I cannot believe that it's time to say goodbye, Kelly. This has been one of my favorite conversations ever. Um, I do not know where the time went, but I just, I really want to thank you for joining us today. I'm super grateful that you opened up your heart here with us. And frankly, my world wouldn't be the same without you in my life. So thank you so much. Oh, this has just been so amazing. Thank you so, so much for having me here today. Thank you for being the most incredible friend in my life. Thank you for being the most incredible coach, photographer. I mean, literally all of the above. Um, I feel the same way that my world wouldn't be the same without you in it. So thank you for having me here. Thank you for answering so many questions about the Enneagram and friendship. And before I go, I really do want to encourage anyone who resonates with this episode to reach out to Alicia for life coaching even if you don't know exactly what coaching would look like for you, just reach out to start a conversation with her. She is incredible at sharing the tools of the Enneagram in a practical way and just has the absolute biggest heart. Oh, thank you so much, Kel. Also, you guys, I have a special bonus for you all today. So you can use code BFF to get $40 off of a summer session with me. This is only good for the sessions that will be held between June 15th and August 15th, because that's the summer season. So save your date today. Do not miss this, y'all. Start with one session and pretty soon you're going to be hooked and two years into coaching like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love you so much, Kel. Thank you so much again for sharing your heart today. And I can't wait to talk to you later on FaceTime. And thank, thank you to everybody who listened today. Join me on Instagram so that we can continue this conversation and share what you value most in friendships and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future podcasts of the Enneagram Girl. Have a great day. Bye, friends. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Enneagram Girl podcast. I'd be so thankful if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player and subscribe to stay updated when each new episode drops. For full show notes and resources of the episode, head to EnneagramGirl.com. See you next time, my friends.